In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes in order to assure us that it is okay for us to be outlaws in His kingdom. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there's this website that came out in the 90s. It's called oldlutheran.com. You can go there and you can pick up all sorts of um, uh, Lutheran junk. Um, uh, you know, uh, Martin Luther bobbleheads, um, uh, uh, bumper stickers, T-shirts, the whole nine. This is not a commercial for them. I'm just saying you can go there and get that stuff. And one of the things that they will sell you um, is something with their tagline on it that says, um, uh, oldlutheran.com, the home of Lutheran pride, parentheses, just not too proud. Um, because it's kind of this Lutheran joke that we're, we're sort of this self-deprecating people. We're, we're these people that, you know, the moment that we start to feel like we have some pride in being Lutheran, that we kind of check that. Uh, and we check that against this, this epistle reading. We check that against that, that line that Paul writes that uh, we say that, that we are not going to boast in anything that we're doing. And we're, we're rather, we're going to boast in what Christ is doing. Uh, and, and that's something to keep in mind, I think, on a day like Reformation Sunday, a day that tends to be in Lutheran circles, sort of uh, Lutheran Pride Day. It, it's the one day that, that we can kind of be like, oh, you know, we actually maybe am kind of, maybe I'm kind of proud of being a Lutheran. Um, and, and uh, you know, we, we have conflicted feelings about that, of course, but we, we sort of, you know, we enjoy singing a mighty fortress is our God. Uh, and we enjoy, you know, um, uh, talking about all of these sort of uh, inside Lutheran jokes sometimes. We, we enjoy, you know, that kind of a thing on this day because on this day, Reformation Sunday, uh, we think about the stuff that got us here, the, the stuff that got us to a church building that has Lutheran on the outside uh, and how that confuses so many of our friends and uh, how when we say, well, I'm a Lutheran, some people say, well, does that mean that you're a follower of Martin Luther King Jr.? And we go, no, he was a good guy, but knock off the last two names and, and we're good. Um, and, and so we, we get into this kind of like, well, what, what on earth does it mean to be a Lutheran? And, and a lot of times, you know, we start thinking about the, the story of Lutheranism and, and kind of how that comes together and what that means for us. And, and we, we, you know, maybe we watch really boring Luther documentaries on, on PBS or wherever, and, and we try to, to remember some of that stuff and keep it in our heads. Well, one of the things that you maybe picked up in one of those Luther documentaries was that Luther himself was actually an outlaw for a little bit. You see, what Luther did in, in standing up to the Roman Catholic Church of his time uh, was a big, big no-no. A big, big no-no that even could have gotten him killed. And so because of that, in April 1521, uh, Luther gets kidnapped by his own people. 
So, so he's, he's got this, this friend uh, who is uh, Frederick, the elector of Saxony. Um, he's a friend in high places with his own sort of you know, set of bodyguards. And he sends his set of bodyguards after Luther in order to kidnap him and make it look like the Roman Catholic Church has kidnapped him uh, so that nobody else will. So, so uh, they, they take him and then they take him to this place called Wartburg. And uh, they, they take him to this place called Warburg where he chills out for about a year. And he exists as an outlaw. And he literally is an outlaw at this point. He's got a price on his head. He's done something so bad in the eyes of some people that he deserves to die. And... To Luther, this doesn't seem right. And to other people, this doesn't seem right. But he, he takes that period of time and he uses it. And uh, during that period of time, he, he gets locked up in, in, in a room. It, it, he literally is sort of on house arrest. It, it's not like he gets taken off to Wartburg and everything is, is all hunky-dory. He basically has to stay in his room the entire time. Uh, at least at first, because people are afraid that they're going to find out that they're hiding Luther, and that's going to tend, turn out bad for the people with Wartburg. And, and so he's in this hunting lodge, basically, is what Wartburg is. It's a hunting castle, so um, it, it's sort of like, you know, Elector Frederick takes him and, and puts him off in, in the place where he would go for maybe a week or two at a time while he's hunting, uh, but otherwise uh, there, there's nothing there. But there's this special sort of room and it's a special sort of room in which they would use to specifically imprison knights. Not N-I-G-H-T, but K-N-I-G-H-T. That, that, they got kind of special privileges, and, and so because of that, they got kind of the, you know, the white-collar prison. So it was a little bit nicer, but it was still mm, prison. And so he, he was there for a while and he was, you know, growing out his hair and growing out his beard. And he started to go under the name of Junker Jorge, um, which is just a silly name. Um, uh, but it means Knight George. Uh, so, so he was going by that. And, and he was there and he was just, uh, you know, uh, pushing back from all of the excitement of what had happened in his life up until that point. And it had been an exciting life for Luther up until that point. He had gone to law school. He was starting to go to law school. And, and then after that, that, that got changed by a big thunderstorm. And, uh, during that, he, he uh, almost got fried by some lightning. And he cried out to God and he said, I'll become a monk. And a lot of Luther's biographers think that he probably already had that in the back of his mind. And uh, maybe this was just a moment where he was like, hey, here's a good reason for me to be a monk. And so he goes back to his dad and he tells his dad that. And his dad, of course, is disappointed, but he lets him go to the monastery. And while he's a, he's a monk, he is both a great monk and a terrible monk. He's a great monk to all of the, the uh, sort of outward appearances of what it means to be a monk. He's really hardworking. He uh, does a lot of penance. He, he reads the Bible a lot. But to the other monks, uh, they don't like him because uh, of all of those things, because he reads the Bible a lot, because he does a lot of penance, and he makes them look bad. And, uh, and so he, he's there, he's a monk for a while, but then he discovers this book 
this book of Romans, this book that we just read from, and he goes, wait a second, I think that there's something here that isn't being communicated out to God's people from the church, and that's a problem. And so he's, a, he's an academic at this point. He wants to start to you know, discuss this and debate this. He wants to say, hey, why aren't we talking about this stuff? This is important stuff. Paul wrote this stuff down so that we could tell people that it was not up to them, but rather that Jesus saved them. Why are we not talking about that? And, and so he goes, and that's the famous point at which he knocks that 95 theses on the door. And uh, what he's trying to do there is he's trying to you know, basically sort of bait people into arguing with him. And what it ends up doing is it gets spread all throughout Germany. And because of that, he starts getting a lot of sort of negative uh, attention from the people in Rome. And then they start taking him to court. They, they start asking him to do things like recant. They start asking him to do things uh, where, where they say, you, you, you need to stop talking. And, and Luther is, is not real good at stopping talking at this point, And he keeps on talking. And that's eventually what ends him up in Wartburg as an outlaw under an assumed name chilling out under house arrest in a white-collar prison. And he takes a year there. Roughly about a year. We know that he goes in in April of 21. We know that he gets out sometime in 22. And we... Look at what he does during that time. And he, he even does a lot while he's in there. He, he starts this uh, famous book of his called The Bondage of the Will. He, he uh, works quite a bit on his German translation of the New Testament. Uh, he, he gets a lot done while he's there as an outlaw. But he's still an outlaw. And being an outlaw is kind of a lonely thing. For Luther, he, it meant that he, he couldn't be around a lot of the people that he really loved and wanted to be around. It meant he couldn't be around his sort of chief disciple, a kid named Philip Melanchthon. It meant he couldn't be around the churches of his age. It means that he couldn't have been around many of the people whom he considered his parishioners, the people that were in his church. He, he couldn't be around those people either. And it was lonely. And I wonder how much we feel like we're outlaws in that sense this year. I mean, it, it hasn't even been a year yet. Won't be a year until March, really, that we've been dealing with this, even though in a lot of ways, it feels like we've been dealing with this coronavirus and this isolation and this outlaw existence for so long. And, and maybe we're, we're asking ourselves, you know, okay, well, if I'm a Lutheran, what does it mean for me to be an outlaw? Does that mean that I have to be, you know, start uh, translating the New Testament? What, what am I doing with uh, this time? But I think in a lot of ways, it, it's not 
good for us to, to just say, what am I doing with this time period that I have while I'm being outlawed? But it's worthwhile us thinking about what does it feel like to be an outlaw? And sometimes that feels pretty stinking lonely. It feels like we're not connected with the people that we want to be connected with. Maybe, you know, maybe we're connected with them through the internet. Maybe we're connected with them through a phone call. But there's so much that still feels disconnected right now. So much so that this Reformation Day doesn't feel exactly like Reformation Day. Doesn't feel like that if you're in the sanctuary with us today, because Reformation Day is usually a day where we would fill up the pews. And while we're filling up the pews today because, well, we only set out a certain amount of them. And if you're joining us online, it doesn't feel the same because, well, you're sitting there in your red pajamas and, uh, you know, you're, you're drinking a Lutheran beverage. Well, maybe not yet. Um, uh, but, you know, it, it, it's kind of like, okay, so this is Reformation Day. And, and it, as we go through this, we're, we're continually asking ourselves, okay, what does it mean for us to be in this situation of being outlaws around these kind of bigger holidays? And even these minor holidays, like if Reformation Day is a minor holiday, for you, if you're not a Lutheran pastor, uh, or you're not a Lutheran super fan. And yet, there's hope in Luther's story. Luther has to start doing things differently. He has to, we know he grows out his beard. We know that uh, the tonsure, that, uh, you know, that, that sort of fake bald spot that you see Luther with, um, that sign of being a monk, he lets that grow out as well. He, he starts doing stuff a little bit differently. He starts uh, do, living his days a little bit differently. But as a result of what he has to go through, he comes out of that with a renewed sense of how valuable the word of God is. He comes out of that experience with a new sense of how he's going to change what he was doing from simply being sort of an irritant to the, the church at its time to being something that was starting a movement. He comes out of Wartburg and he starts to shift things and he starts to say, all right, it looks like being an irritant isn't going to work. The, the Roman Catholic Church is going to excommunicate me. They're just going to push me off. They're going to try to kill me. That's not going to work. I'm not going to be able to just reform the church in that way. So what I have to do is I have to figure out how to make this a movement. I have to figure out how this becomes something where we can work outside of the church. Because for Luther, that's what he's doing. I think we don't really understand that in a lot of ways. For Luther, what the church is, is the Roman Catholic Church. There is no other church. It's not like where we're living, where there's 15 gazillion other denominations out there. Luther is looking at this, and he's saying, this gospel is so important that it needs to be spread 
outside of the church. It needs to be spread in some way that is working outside of the normal, humdrum, everyday existence of what it means to be church. And I think that's maybe something that God is trying to get us to take notice of today. As we exist in our outlaw form in the midst of this pandemic. Maybe God is saying you have relied on the machinery of the church too much. And you have taken the machinery of the church and you have lifted it up as an idol above me. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that away from you. So that you can see that there is a way that my gospel will go out from this place without the machinery of a church. Or at least a church building. Or a church service. And sure, the gospel can continue in those things, but I think God is asking us to start thinking about how we exist as his outlaw church. How we work through things that are not a pastor and a video camera. How we work through things that are not on a Sunday morning. How we engage with what that angel in Revelation was talking about that we have an eternal gospel that is to go out to every tribe and language and people and nation and everybody. And if we are going to take what that angel has seriously, what that command, that that gospel needs to go out, we need to do that in our own lives as well as in our church lives. We need to become a movement again. A movement that understands the importance of that gospel. A movement that understands that that gospel is that we are saved not because of our works but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that that is something that he wants to go viral. Seems strange using that word now, given our context. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to cough the gospel onto people. He wants us to be unmasked about the gospel. He wants us to be people that go out into this world and infect it with his love and his grace and his forgiveness. And that's what it means to be a Lutheran in so many ways. To believe in that gospel and the power of that gospel so firmly that we're even willing to let it spill as outlaws outside of the church. So may you this week, may you celebrate your Lutheran identity if you have that. May you celebrate 
Even more so, though, the thing that gives us that identity, the gospel of Jesus Christ, crucified, died, buried, and raised again. May that cause you to move and be an outlaw yourself. Amen.